0: only if our eyes are, are fixed on Jesus the author and finishes a finisher of our faith and if it, uh, for who he is. That's what we all need today. We need to see see Christ and see God uh, for who he is. Uh, so we're going to sing kind of a special version of Open the Eyes of My Heart. Lord." Uh, the, song, the, the lyrics will be on the screen, so if you guys want to sing along with us, you're, you're more than welcome. of fellowship before we get to the sermon today.
1: That was some uh, beautiful singing this morning, and I think it is the cry or the prayer of all of our hearts in here today. I hope it is, like Brandon said, that it would be our, our prayer that we do want to see him. Uh, we, we want to open the eyes of our hearts that we may see Christ, and we see him in all of his beauty and all of his glory. And I'll say this today, I believe that the only way we can truly see him is through the revelation that God has given us, and that's in the Word of God. So I would ask you to turn to your Bibles. That's what we're going to do. We want to see him. Let's find him. Let's, let's see, see him in his Word. Uh, So turn with me to Matthew 24. We've called this the most important prophecy chapter in the Bible as Jesus sits on the Mount of Olives and opens up the future and tells us what's coming. As we uh, get closer and closer to to his second coming, he tells us exactly what's going to happen. I mean, this is a a wonderful chapter. And and I think uh, a couple things that I would say about it is this is real. This is not some kind of fantasy world that we're living in. These things are happening and will happen, no doubt about it. These things are coming. This will come to pass. What Jesus says will happen, will happen. So it's real, but it's also incredibly relevant. I think we're seeing not only that it will happen in the future, I think we're seeing that it's happening in front of our eyes right now. And this one right here may be the most relevant one out of all these that I've preached in Matthew 24. Because here we're seeing it, in our world we're seeing exactly what he's talking about here today. Jesus shows us just how sinful the world will be in the last days. So the title of the sermon here this morning, and you've come on a good day, just wait to hear the title. It's When Evil Takes Over the World. So we're going to look at that today. How bad will the world get as we get closer to the last days? So let's stand together, Matthew 24. And I've just been building on it, so I'm just going to read verses 1 through 13. But my eye and our attention will be on verses 12 and 13 today. So starting in verse 1, Matthew 24, this is the the Word of God. Verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All this is just the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And here's our verses for today. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity... Sin, lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So let's, uh, let's, let's pray together and we'll study and see when evil takes over the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this glimpse into the future. I'll say this, God, in a few minutes, but we don't look anywhere else to see what's coming. We don't look to Nostradamus, we look to Christ. We don't look to astrology, and to the stars. We look to your word. No one else has this answer. No one else knows these things. And I thank you for revealing it unto us through your word. And God, I thank you for my time of study in it this week. It's been good. It's been edifying. It's been helpful. It's been encouraging. And I pray that that's what it would be for the people in here today. That you would, again, God, capture their attention with this today. And they would see the relevancy of what we're talking about and where we're headed and that this would cause all of us to hold on a little tighter to the Lord Jesus Christ in the days ahead. Help us, God, not to look to the left or the right, but keep our eyes upon Jesus. So God, teach us these things today and help me to teach them. Help me by the power of your Spirit. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to make a statement that everybody here knows to be true. I think everybody would agree. You might not want to say amen to this, but you know that it's the truth. That we are right now living in a world of terrifying and great evil. That's the world that we're living in. And you look around and you'll see that. It just takes just a, a glimpse to see the, the evil that is overcoming our world. Uh, I, I wrote a list of things with deadly disease and political upheaval and lies everywhere we look, everywhere. Everybody's lying. We don't know who to believe anymore. We're living in a world of terrifying evil unchecked violence and sin in our streets that is celebrated and that is that is flaunted and I mean that literally we were in Atlanta just a a few weeks ago and we went downtown Atlanta to get find something to eat and as we were walking to a a pizza place and and we were going from street to street trying to get there I looked at Brandon and I, I looked at at the guys that were with me and I said are we living in Sodom and Gomorrah I mean, these things, and Brandon can tell you that, I actually said that. And, and as, as all these things were going on around me, I said, I can't imagine living in a city like this. And we're living in a time of unchecked evil in our world. It's all around us. It's everywhere we look. It's unbelievable. It's to the point where we say, I've heard many people say this, it can't get any worse. I've heard people say, we're at rock bottom. We're as low as we can go. This is now the worst time that the world has ever seen. I've heard that and, 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 and it may be true. We're living in a, in a really terrible time of, of wickedness and evil and, and debauchery. That's, that's the world we're living in. But I want to say to you today what Jesus says in, in this verse that we ain't seen nothing yet. This is nothing compared to what it will be. I know that you're sitting there saying, Josh, give us some good news. Hang on to the end. I'll give you some good news. But right now it's the bad news. We ain't seen nothing yet. We, this ain't nothing compared to what's going to happen. The worst days are ahead. It will get much, much worse. It'll get so bad, and I'll show you that today, that 2020 and 2021 will look like the good old days compared to what it will be. We'll look back at 2020 and say, man, those were the good days. 2021 and say, wow, that ain't nothing compared to what's going on today. When the, when the In the future, evil will completely take over the entire world. So let's go to the back to the Mount of Olives here, where the disciples in verse 3 approach Jesus. We're really two or three days away from Him being arrested and tried and put on a cross and dying for our sins. And then three days later, He'd rise again. And He's triumphant. I want you to know that even now, that He is triumphant even over the evil of our world today. So they come to Him on the mountain two or three days before He'll be arrested and tried and put to death. And they ask him the question there that we just looked at. Give us a sign of what's going to happen before your, before your coming. And I've already said that the only, only Jesus has the answers to this. He's the only one they can go to and tell us what's the end going to be like. He's the only one that we can go to. We don't look anywhere else. We don't look to Nostradamus. We don't look to astrology. We don't look to palm readers. We don't look to horoscopes. We look to Jesus and say, what's the future hold? And here He opens it up to us and He gives us really six signs right in a row that says, here's what's going to happen. And we're on the fifth one here today. And if you've missed any of them, please go back and listen to them. All these things are going to happen as it builds to the return of Christ. And I think each one gets worse and worse and worse. Until we come to this one today, I think it's a downward spiral. I think we're plunging deeper and deeper into sin and filth and wickedness. I think we're plunging into a cesspool of of filth. And we see here in this verse, verse 12, Iniquity shall abound, that the last hour of humanity will be the worst. That it will be the most evil and sinful and dark days that the world has ever seen at the end. So I want to show you that today. The world will be completely taken over by evil. And this is not meant to scare us. This is, this is, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I don't want you to shake in your pews. I want this to, to prepare us. I want this to get us ready. I want us to understand that this is where the world is now. And this is where the world is headed. So we need to see that this is very important. Here is when evil takes over the world. So let's look at it. I want to give you two points today. Starting with, I want to show you the sinful world as we look at verse 12, I want to show you the sinful world as he says there. And, and it's just a very short statement, but I, I think it's, it's a full statement because he says, and because iniquity shall abound, which, which means, again, that's just a, a few words that as you look into it, and, and I, I've spent all week trying to understand iniquity abounding. What does that mean? That iniqui- iniquity will abound. And, and I, I think it's, it's a full statement. It's, it's, it's loaded with truth that sin or lawlessness Will get worse and worse and worse. That it's just going to expand and, and, and explode. That times aren't getting better. They're getting much, much, much worse. You say, What does this mean to be iniquity? Again, it's lawlessness. It's to be without law. An absence of law. That there will be in the final days nothing and no one to keep anybody in check. We have laws today that keep us in check. We have speed limit signs that, that many of us don't even pay attention to. Some of us do. Last night we were driving down the road and, and, and somebody flashed their lights at me and I said, well, I Wonder what that means, Steph?" <laughs> she said, Slow down. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> I was going a pretty pretty good speed and as we got a little bit further there was a cop sitting there. I was like, Well, I'm obeying the law, no problem here. But it's those speed limit signs and, and, and the laws of our land that, that keep us in check, that keep us from going out of control, that keep the world from going into, into chaos. Laws keep us in line. And it says here that in the last days, and I think it can mean two things, that the law of the government will not even exist. That legally there will be nothing and no one to stop people from doing anything that they please. I think this can also mean that it's not just the law of the government, but the law of God. That, that morally, which is the Ten Commandments we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, that God has given us to, to abide by. And, and those Ten Commandments that keep us in check, that keep us from going to the right or to the left, and keep us walking the straight and narrow road, and, and, and those laws that, that we even obey now, that we have, have no other idols, and we don't take the Lord's name in vain, and we keep the Sabbath holy, and, and we honor our mother and father, and we don't we don't murder, and we don't we don't steal, and, and we all these things we don't commit adultery adultery. We don't covet. We're not jealous. All these things that keep us in line that in the last days, there will be nothing to keep anyone in line. No laws of the government. No laws of God. It will be completely and totally anarchy. Everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. As they please. Anything goes. Throwing their fist up at at the government and at God. We do whatever we want to do. And this will get worse and worse and worse. And we're seeing it already today. It's all around us. Morally, people are doing whatever they want to do. And they flaunt the laws of the government. We're headed in this direction. It will increase... It will multiply. It will come to, and this word means that, to the fullest of measure. Like we're filling a cup with sin and it's going to overflow into the wrath of God upon the world. 2 Timothy 3 says evil men and seducers will get worse and worse and worse until it becomes an explosion of evil all over the world. Verse 8 says it will be like a birth pains Again, I've said this every week, but like a pregnancy, it starts out light and it gets really, really difficult at the end. That's what it's going to be. It'll increase in intensity. It'll escalate. It'll get out of control. Romans 1 gives us a picture of this. I want you to turn there with me. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I thought about it. But I've got a lot we want to cover today. I want to show you how evil escalates in a world. Romans 1 shows us how evil escalates in a society, how it goes in a downward spiral, where it starts and where it ends up. And our society is already at the bottom. But watch this, I, I just want to read, because I'll read verse 18, I don't want to read the whole thing, but it says, for the wrath of God is revealed against uh, revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It starts with suppressing the truth, that people won't listen to the truth, they don't want to hear the truth, they will do anything in the world to silence the truth so that they can do whatever they want. It's a lawless, godless society. And look where it ends up. Move down with me to verse 24. So God gives them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. It starts in, in, in the mind and it works its way into the to the body, to where they change the truth of God into a lie. They worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who's blessed forever. Amen. Watch this, how it just keeps getting worse. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even the women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. That We can't even imagine that. And receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which is meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is that everything's twisted. They don't know how to think. They can't tell right from wrong. Good is evil and evil is good, right is wrong and wrong is right, light is dark and dark is light, where it's just a mind that doesn't even know what it believes. Confusion is what it is. To do those things which are not convenient. And being filled with, again, here we go. I want you to see that's why I went here, to be filled with. That cup, it's increasing and it's, it's filling up in our world. That evil and iniquity just keeps pouring into this cup and it's going to overflow. And what's what it says with? What's it overflowing with? Being filled with all unrighteousness. And fornication, and wickedness, and covetousness, and maliciousness, and envy, and murder, and debate, and deceit, and malignity, and whispers, and backbiters, and hateful, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, people that invent the unimaginable evil things, disobedient to parents. It's a lawless society without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection implacable unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God they know that God's going to judge this but they keep on doing it and they have pleasure in doing it does that not describe our society? but Matthew 24 and you can go back there isn't talking about one society or one nation because this is the direction that most nations go this is talking about the entire world going in this downward spiral the whole globe Global lawlessness. Worldwide rebellion where it will become not one nation rebelling against God like America is rebelling against God today. It will become every nation around the globe rebelling against God. An outbreak of evil like we've never seen. We've seen one nation here and one nation there. Maybe Rome or or another nation here. But this will be everybody. It will explode. It will be worse than Noah's day. Where in Genesis 6 it said, And God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It'll be worse than that. And what did God do to that generation of people? It'll be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And what did God do to them? It'll be worse than Rome in the New Testament. It'll be worse than than the dark ages that we went through. It'll be worse than than what we're living in today. It will be the worst and most sinful time that the world has ever ever seen. It'll be a tidal wave of filth and evil and sin like nobody has ever seen before. It will literally be hell on earth. All hell will break loose on earth. You say, Josh, how bad will it be? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked that. Where are we going now? Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 9. Matthew 24 has made my understanding of Revelation so, so much better. I love how you tie these two things together. And we're just going to read through Revelation 9. And I'm going to show you how bad it's going to get. And this description shows us a world overrun with evil. It's serious, it's terrifying. If you scare easy, this is scarier than any movie that you can watch on Halloween. You with me? My kids say, let's watch a Halloween movie. I say, let's read Revelation. <laughs> Preacher's kids, right? That's what this is. I'm just going to read through it. We've done this before. I know you guys knew I was going here. Revelation 9. There's 21 verses. Buckle up. Hang on to your seats. Pin your wigs down. <laughs> Verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven under the earth. Who's this star? It's Satan. The Bible calls him the day star, the son of the morning who fell like lightning. Satan falls to the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. He's given a key, which, who, which means he doesn't have the key. Only Jesus holds the key. So he takes the key off his little keychain and he hands it to Satan and he says, You can go open the bottomless pit. He said, What is the bottomless pit? What's this? Out of the bottomless pit, it's an abyss. There arose smoke out of the pit. He opens it. As, As a smoke from a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power you say what is coming out out of the pit comes demons hang with me there are demons today we know a third of the angels fell with satan and those angels are demons today. They're demonic forces. And there's demonic forces that, that are in the heavens. There's demonic forces that are on the earth here today. And there is a, a select few demons, the worst of the worst demons. I mean, how bad a demon do you got to be to be the worst of the worst demons? That Jesus has taken and put in a, in a pit. That he's put in a, in a bottomless pit or, or an abyss somewhere, or you could call it a prison, and he has locked it up. Genesis 6, there was some, some bad demons going on there, and he locked them up, and there was bad demons that was in those pigs in the New Testament, and he said, he, he, they looked at him and said, don't throw us in the pit! So he put them in the pigs and they ran off a cliff. Don't throw us in the prison. Locked up, not allowed out. And here at the end, so you got some demons that are in the heavens and some demons that are on the earth, but not all of them are on the earth right now. Not all of them are let loose to do their wickedness and their evil in the world today. And here at this moment, the devil goes and opens up the gate, lets them out, and this pit belches out all the bad demons. It's almost like somebody handing the keys to all the prisons in all the world and saying, open it up and let all the bad, all the worst criminals out and let them do whatever they want to do. Let them have their way. But it's not criminals, it's demons. And he compares it to locusts. Because locusts comes in great numbers. 80 to 100 million at a time. So the pit is opened entire demonic force is let loose on the earth. Running rampant. Demonic activity is at an all-time high. Demonic activity was increased in the days of Jesus. Demonic activity will be increased even higher in the last days. And I'm going to read down through here. It says, and they will be let loose to go around the world to torment. It says in in verse, let's, let's read it. Had the power of scorpions on the earth. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, nor either the green things or a tree, but only those men which had not the seal of God on their foreheads. Jesus said, I'll give you the key to let them out, but they have a line that they can't cross. They can do this, but they can't do that. Jesus is in control of the demons. Verse 5, And to them it was given that they should not kill them. They're not allowed to kill, but they should torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man. You say, what is that? I googled it. What happens when you get get stung by a scorpion? And an article came up that said when somebody gets bit by or stung by a scorpion, the effects of that or the result of that is almost identical to seeing somebody who's demon-possessed. That there would be rolling on the ground when they get stung. There would be foaming at the mouth and grinding of the teeth. It is, and I I want to say this here, this is a picture of worldwide demonic possession. It's a frightening and horrible picture. I I can keep reading. Watch what it says. Torment for five months. The torment was like the torment. You can just look up that word torment. They're, they're, They're tormenting the world. And in those days, men shall seek death and not be able to find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts, it tells us what the, what these de- demons look like. They're like, it's not that they look like this, but it's just a description, like horses prepared to battle. And their head were like crowns like gold, and faces were like the faces of men. They had hair of a woman, and teeth, the teeth like a lion. Breastplates and breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of, of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like in the scorpions, and were stings, and, and were stings in their tails. And the power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a leader over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. This guy is the, I'll, I'll tell you what I call him. Look what it says. His name is the Hebrew tongue, Abaddon. You just say he's one bad angel is what he is. He's a badden. I'm glad you laughed at that. I wondered all week whether I'd get a laugh out of that. But the Greek tongue, his name was Apollyon. One woe is passed, and behold, there comes two more woes hereafter. And watch this, it just keeps going. The world is, is, is all hell's breaking loose in the world. Demons are, are running loose all, all over the universe. And the world is literally infested with demons. And it says in verse 13, more come out. Six angels sounded and heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which held the trump, the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound to the great river Euphrates. There's four more. And these four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay a third part of the men. And the number of the army, and, and some people say it's a literal man army. I, I, I tend to interpret this as, uh, again, demons. The number of the army, the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. Millions upon millions upon millions of demons are released in the world. It gives you the, the uniform they wear. <laughs> these are the colors of hell, the smell of hell, verse 17 and 18. It says in verse 19, the powers in their mouth and their tails, for so their tails were like on serpent's and they had heads that, that do hurt. In verse 20 it says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, Refused to repent. The voice of hell in that time will drown out the call of heaven. And they'll refuse to repent. They'll refuse to turn from their ways. All this going on around the world and men still will not repent. And then it tells us, watch this, exactly what, what will be taking place around the world. Now, I've got to hurry, but watch what it says. They repented not of their works. And it really goes down the Ten Commandments. Lawlessness. It says they kept on worshiping what? Devils? It will be a religious time. But it won't be a religion where they're worshiping God. They worship devils. Demonic, evil, satanic worship. They worship idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear or walk. These are are, are devils they're worshiping, or man-made idols. It will be very religious. Or I'll say this: it won't be religious. It'll be what our day is coming. We're not very religious today. We call ourselves spiritual. That's what this will be. There will be mysticism and and spiritualism and and the occult and and witchcraft and new age spirituality that will be going on in the world. That They will be worshipping anything and everything but the one true and living God. Maybe an idol in their hand or maybe some made up idea of God in their head. Either way it's an idol. People that would say, my God wouldn't do that. Guess what, your God's made up. So there's the worship of idols. There's your first four commandments all aimed at at, at how we relate to God. And then it says, let's just let's keep going, verse 21, neither repented day of their murders. Keep going down the list. That in that time, there'll be massive unbridled bloodshed. That there will be murder all around the world in our streets. And nobody to stop them. They'll kill Christians. We talked about that last week. They'll kill each other. They'll be bloodshed. They'll all be after blood. Murder everywhere will be out of control. And then it says the word sorceries. You say, what's that? It's a Greek word for pharmacy. You know what that is? Worldwide drug use and abuse. That people in this time, and you can imagine, that will be looking for anything and everything to get their mind off of what's going on. So they'll take any drug that they can find They'll dull their senses. They'll get high. They'll get drunk. They'll do anything again to dull the effects of what's going on. They don't want to come to the reality that we are under the judgment of God. It's happening right now in America. Everybody, even the government, keep the alcohol shops open. Shut down the churches. Let them get drunk so they have no idea judgment of God is coming. Sorcery. Let's go on. I'm, I'm running out of time. Look, it says murder is sorceries, nor of their sexual immorality. I'm going to say this. It'll get me in trouble, but i stay in trouble. The LGBTQ community will have a heyday in the last day. There will be whoremongering. That's not a word you hear in church anymore. There will be rape, pedophilia, homosexuality, lesbianism, all the letters of the homosexual vocabulary will be running rampant on the globe. You'll see it everywhere. It'll be, it won't be like Atlanta where we saw it everywhere we looked. It was debauchery in the streets. It'll be everywhere we go. It'll be in Big Stone Gap. It'll be in Appalachia. It'll be in Pound. It'll be in Wise. It'll be everywhere we look. We won't be able to escape it. It'll be Sodom and Gomorrah times a thousand. That's where we're headed And then it says, the last one, theft. That's what happens when all hell breaks loose. Looting and rioting and taking whatever isn't yours. That's what happens. We know that. All hell is breaking loose and somebody wants to go in the store and get a TV. Right? Judgment is falling. Let's carry a TV out. I need a 60 inch plasma. 5K, that's, that's, that's a new thing. I mean, you see murder in the streets. Sexual debauchery everywhere. I mean, it's all over the place. And you walk out in the streets and there's fire. And there's people laying in the streets. And it's just full-scale evil. I can just take whatever I want. I can go to somebody's house. I can go to the store. I can go, I can go kill them and take what they got. Because I need it. Because there's a, a famine here. It's just murder and theft and debauchery. Unlike anything the world has ever seen flagrant, flaunted, celebrated. There's probably even going to be parades in the last day for these sins. I said last week they're going to have a holiday because Christians, two witnesses get killed. Let's give each other presents. A time of unrestrained evil. A time worse than Noah. Noah got judged. A time worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah got judged. So what do you think is going to happen to us? But we go on our merry little way. We hear this and say, okay, yeah, it's happening, but we really don't believe it unless we're taking action on it. This is happening right in front of our eyes. The cup is almost full. Judgment's coming. We are headed towards a devastating divine judgment in our world. It's scary. Scary than anything you'll ever see anywhere else. And it's also a warning. Turn back with me to Matthew 24. You see what I just did there? And because iniquity shall abound. That's what I just preached for the last 25 minutes. Let's get the rest of it. If that is the sin of the world, the sinful world that will become our world. I want to show you lastly the serious warning. Because there is a serious warning with this. I've got about 30 minutes to finish another sentence. (laughs) It says, and because, you see this, and because of the sin... Because iniquity abounds, because lawlessness is out of control. The love of many. And that word many, I've underlined it. Go through Matthew 24 and underline how many times it says many. The love of many, the love of most, a large part of professing believers. Their love will grow cold. This may be the most serious warning in the entire chapter of Matthew 24. Because it's not what's happening out here. This warning where it says the love of many will grow cold. Gets right at the hearts of the people sitting in the pews today. This looks at you and says, what are you going to do in the last days? What are you doing today? It says the love of many, a lot, most, a large part will grow cold. This describes the great falling away in the last days. This describes the great apostasy. This is that there's going to be a great chilling effect upon professed believers in the last day. A sin will get so bad that it'll chill the hearts of people in churches. That there won't be a fire that burns within many of the hearts of the people in church. There will be a a coldness that comes over them. And we've seen that today. That as the world's getting worse around us, and it should be stirring our hearts within the church, and the pews should be full in our churches. But we're seeing people fall away from church and become colder towards God and colder towards His Word and and colder towards His church. This is what it does. As sin gets worse, our hearts get colder. Or not our hearts, but professing believers. This is a falling away that many who, who profess Christ, who say they believe the Bible, who go to church, who say they're a Christian, that in the last days, they're going to walk away. Many of them. There won't be no mega churches in the last days. There'll be many churches in the last days. That's, that's pretty good. I just come up with that on my, right in a moment. And why will they walk away? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Many will walk away from the faith, professed faith, because of deception. We've already covered that, but I just want you to get it, because I think what makes people leave the church today is what exactly what would make the people leave the church then. It would just be escalated. Watch this. Three, three reasons that, that there's a great falling away. It says in, in verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So deception, false teaching. Cults out there will get so bad in the last days that many will be confused by it and be drawn into churches that don't preach the truth. So many will, will be confused and walk away. And then I'll give you another one. Verse 10, persecution will get so hot and the cost so high that many will be offended and they'll fall away. You with me? Verse 10, many shall be offended and they shall betray one another and hate one another. So persecution will pull many away. Okay, so so we got deception that that many just are are confused. I don't know what to believe. I've got this teacher saying this and this teacher saying that and and this teacher saying this. I don't know what to believe. I don't know where to go. There's there's churches everywhere. And it will get worse in the last days. And they'll be drawn away out of confusion. And then persecution. It'll get hot. You'll be called names. You'll be betrayed. You'll be persecuted and arrested. And many will fall away. Church gets smaller. And then here... Sin, the temptation, will entice many away. You know what pulls people away today? We see people leave church all the time. Make a profession, sit for a few months, gone. What does it? It's one of three things. Somebody false comes along and grabs them says, that's not right, don't listen to that man. And they go somewhere else, some false teaching, cultish thing. That preacher's too hot. (laughs) You, You listen to him, you'll get yourself in trouble. You're going to be called a name, a fundamentalist, too extreme, and that pulls people away. Let me find a church that's that's a more comfortable than this. Or the most prominent is sin. How many people have you seen leave the church because they got fallen into some sin somewhere? It's the same thing. A sin will be so rampant and so overwhelming and so alluring, it'll pull many people away. Think of Lot's wife. As the fires were burning down, she turned around because it was so alluring. She was turned to a pillar of salt. Think of Israel as they were leaving Egypt, and they started complaining that we had it better. Let's go back. It's we had it better there. There's an allure, there's a draw to sin. That keeps pulling us away, and as it gets worse around us, and, and and we see it everywhere, and it's on our TVs, and it I mean, I was, I was watching a, a cartoon with Hallie yesterday, and and I was sitting there. She don't know nothing about it. She just sits there and bounces. She can't understand what they're saying. It's just, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, the, the, they're trying to brainwash my little baby. It's evil right there. It's in a cartoon. Cover your ears, baby. <laughs> Sin is pulling. They pull our children, do they not? It's getting people. It pulls them out. We see that. Where's this one at? Well, they're out living like this now. Sin pulls. and It will get many, and it has gotten many. This happens all the time. And Jesus said it would be so. I want to take you to another passage. I know I'm, I've got you guys all over the place. But Matthew 13. Just watch this. I, was, I have to read this to you because I was just floored. I've never seen it in this way before, and I want you to see it. This is when Jesus is talking about the the sower and the seed and the ground and and the different responses you'll have to the gospel. As we throw out the seed of the gospel, it falls on different types of hearts. Now watch this. Verse 18 says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches it away, that which was sown in his heart, this is when this is he which receives seed by the wayside. This, this is that the teachers that come along and say, No, you don't believe that. You're confused. You don't understand. That's not right. You see that? I mean, maybe you don't see that one, but keep watching. But he that receives the seed in the stony place is the same that he that heareth the word and anon with joy he receives it. Yet he hath not rooted himself, but he endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises, when things get hot because of the word. By and by he is offended. And it pulls him away. We've got some evil doer coming and pulling it away in the first one. And then we've got persecution pulling away the next one. I've got one more. Which one do you think that one is? Keep reading. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches. The sin of the world comes and chokes the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Three different responses, the same ones that we find in Matthew 24. All these things pull people away. It happens all the time. But imagine how bad it'll be when the deception's worse, when the persecution's worse, and the sin's worse. It'll be pulling people in every direction. The draw from those things will pull many away from Christ. This is a warning. Again, the greatest warning of this chapter, I think. Watch out for this. These are the things that's after you. The deception of the world, the persecution of the world, and the sin of the world is doing everything it can to pull people from the church. And it says many will fall away. This is real. You could be feeling that pull now. There is a tug of war going on in our world right now. I see it. I even, I even see it with my own kids that there's a, there's a pull and you need to understand that. That there's a pull going on with your heart. That's pulling you in the opposite direction. And that pull will get stronger and stronger and stronger in the last days. Sin gets worse, temptation will get worse. So we must now, I'm doing it for my kids now, guard their hearts, guard our home, and guard our church. Don't let deception in the church or in your home persecution arises you're going to have to put your feet in the ground and say i will not be moved and we'll talk about it tonight don't give an inch towards sin but i want to show you the last thing here you say what do we do verse 13 and i'll close it says but he this is the contrast Contrast with the many who are falling away. There's two, two, two directions that we can go. We can fall away with the one crowd or we can do this, which is what we're called to do, which is what I'm calling you to do today. That as things get worse, deception, persecution, and sin, we all must do this one thing. Look what it says. It's the few. The fake will fall away. They won't last. And departure from the faith is irrefutable evidence that their faith is false. But those who, and I would circle that word, I mean, that that, that word endure is as good a word as you'll ever find. It's an encouraging word, it's a great word. The word means to abide. Jesus said it abide in the vine. It means to continue, it means to last, it means to be constant. All the way, it says, to the end. Not to the end of the, of the tribulation or to the end of the world, but to the end of your life. That means that we keep on going no matter what deception comes our way, no matter what persecution is thrown at us, no matter what sin is out there tempting us, it is those who endure to the end that prove they're really saved. That's what it says. Continuing, if departure is irrefutable proof that your faith is false, then continuing... Is irrefutable proof that your faith is real. That it doesn't fall for deception. That's what that word endure means. Doesn't fall for deception. Doesn't crumble under persecution. Doesn't give in to temptation. It shows, and I want to. I want to teach you two things here. I've, I've got some time. Number one, we believe in eternal security here. And we believe it because the Bible says it. And Christian asked me that. My my, my youngest boy asked me on Wednesday night. There was a conversation going on in the church about, can you lose your salvation? And Christian walks up to me and he's got a mouth on him. He's going to talk. He's going to enter himself into the conversation no matter what it's about. He looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I said, we're talking about, can you lose your salvation? And he looked at me right in the face and said, can you lose your salvation? And I looked at him and I said, there ain't no way in this world that we'll ever lose our salvation. We are secure. We believe that. That once you're saved, you're always saved. That He who began a good work in you will finish it. That He is able to keep us from falling. We believe that He's given us eternal life and no man can pluck us out of His hand. That all the Father gives to Jesus, He loses no one. We have eternal security. But I also believe in the perseverance of the saints. You say, what does this mean? It means that a true Christian's faith, a God-given faith, will endure to the end. That God doesn't give us a faltering faith. God doesn't give us a faith that gives in. That God gives us an enduring faith, an overcoming faith, 15 times in Revelation we're told to overcome. God gives us an overcoming faith, a never giving in faith, a faith that will never deny Christ, wave a white flag, bow the knee, or take the mark of the beast. We have an enduring faith. The faith that will endure what Romans 8 says. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And it says, shall tribulation, (laughs) talking about these things, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine and nakedness and peril and sword to the neck. He says, no, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. We have a faith that will endure. Let's take it and hit it home to you guys. Our faith will endure pandemics when many have fallen away. We've said that today. There's a weeding out going on in the church where many are falling away because of a a pandemic. Our faith will endure a bad diagnosis. Because it's a God-given faith. Our faith will endure death. Our faith will endure the worst time in human history when all hell breaks loose on the earth. And those that endure show that they're really saved. Those that fall away show they're not really saved. Right. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We'll throw you in a furnace. Shadrach. I love that name. Next kid means to have Shadrach. <laughs> yeah, she's not over there. <laughs> Meshach bed and a go we're throwing in a furnace if they had false faith and they wasn't truly saved they'd have said oh no backing down don't throw me in too hot they said we trust that he'll take care of us in there or he'll take us home but either way we'll be alright and they threw them three guys in there and you know what there's a fourth man in there and he looks like the son of man and he will be with us all the way no separating us from the love of Christ Amen. think of Job devil went to Job because he's God's devil and he can't do nothing God don't allow him to do. Walked up to God and said, I want your servant Job. I think actually God looked at him and said, Have you considered Job? <laughs> and God, I thought about that the other day. I said, God, I don't ever put my name out there to the devil. <laughs> Have you considered Josh? <laughs> God knew Job. He knew his faith was real. Yeah. Satan said, you take everything that he has away from him and I bet you he curses you and dies. God said, uh-uh, I gave him real faith. And that real faith will endure. Right. Took everything away from him, but his old, hateful, mean wife. <laughs> she said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Job says, naked I came, naked I go, but blessed be the name of God. Amen. He had a faith that endured. I can give you more. Paul Paul said, I was buffeted with a thorn in the flesh. I was shipwrecked. I was snake bit. I had everything done to me that a Christian could ever have done to them. And at the end of his life, he had his head cut off and he said, "I have finished my race, I finished the course and now laid up for me as a crown of righteousness which God shall give me in that day." He finished his race. You get that? That's, it's not about how you start the race, it's about how you. That's what it's saying here. Those who endure all the way to the end of their life prove that they're saved. We don't back in. We don't give in. We don't back down. We are those who endure. Peter, he may have faltered and stumbled, but he didn't fail. John, when he wrote Revelation, 90 some years old on the island of Patmos in prison, he gave an inch. Had a faith that endured. And I want to show you the one that endured the most. The Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't run and hide, did he? No. He didn't find him a safe place. Hebrews twelve says he endured the cross. You, see, you, you, want, you want to read? I mean, you can go read that. I don't have time to go there now. But it says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured." Same word that's right here that that shall endure to the end. He endured the cross. He continued. He, he kept on. He didn't back away. He didn't find a safe place. He, he didn't throw, in, throw wave the white flag or, or throw in the towel. He endured the cross. Despised the shame. And right now, He is sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God on high as our example of the ultimate of endurance. He shows us that Christianity is a faith of endurance. I like that. Told you we would encouraging. Christianity is a faith of endurance. It's a faith of victory. It's a faith of overcoming. It's a faith of resurrection. Kill me here. But for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Amen. You can't hurt me. And because of him and his endurance, when all hell breaks loose here, all oh, heaven breaks loose there. One more passage, Revelation 5. You guys do an incredible job of listening to these sermons. You say, Josh, how many verses are we going to read us in Revelation 5? There's 14. I want to read all 14. Revelation 5. And understand, again, in Revelation 5. Revelation was written in the 90s, 90 A.D., 95 A.D. The church is persecuted. The church is tiny. The church is many. There's no mega churches. There's no celebrity preachers. There's no Christian bookstore aisles. Christianity seems like it's about to die. The church is about to go away. The leaders are being killed. The members are being martyred. And everything is uncertain. And God gives John a vision of the future. He gives him a heavenly perspective and he says, you guys better keep on because this is what you got coming. I saw in the right hand of him, verse one, that said on the throne, let me stop right there and tell you the first thing you'll see when you get to heaven. Read Revelation and I've read Revelation. I bet you ten times this week, ten times the week before, and I keep noticing one thing over and over because you have these heaven books that everybody writes. And I saw this person, and I saw this person, and I saw this street, and I saw this wall, and I saw this here, and I saw that there. The first thing you're going to see is the throne and God sitting on His throne. And I saw on the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within, and the backside sealed with seven seals. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice almost questioning the crowd. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? It's the deed to earth. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book and neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold. Look at this. There is someone. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. Hath prevailed. He's overcome. To open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slain. How did he? How was he victorious? This is not a picture of a lion. This is a picture of a lamb who's been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of old uh, odors, and which are the prayers of the saints. And they all gathered around the overcoming, victorious, prevailing Lamb. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For Thou wast slain, and You've redeemed us unto God by Thy blood out of every kindred and and tongue and people and nations. And You've made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. He did that. That's what's coming. It's a sinful world now, but oh, oh, just wait a, a little while longer. And I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and, and the beast and the elders and the number of them. All these people around the throne are 10,000 times 10,000 and, and thousands of thousands. Millions upon millions of people gathered around the throne. And this is the future. You know who's going to be there? This guy right here. Oh, it's bad here, and it's tough here, and it's terrifying here. But I look in the future, and an overcomer stands here. God's given us an overcoming, enduring, continuing, abiding faith. And one day, I can keep on going, because I know where I'm going to be standing in Revelation 5. I'll be one of the millions upon millions upon millions upon millions, and I hope you will be too. We'll be standing around the throne, and what will we be doing? Saying with a loud voice. I'm just preparing to say, loud preacher, i got a lot of loud singing to do when I get in heaven. And what will I be saying? Say, I'm going to be there. They may put a knife to my neck someday, but I'm going to be there. They may persecute me and put me in prison, but I'm going to be there. He's given a heavenly perspective of overcomers. What will we say? You'll say this. Won't be no silent worshipers in heaven. I can't sing very good. I'll just be quiet. No, 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 no. You better start. La 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 la. Get it ready. Amen. (laughs) Didn't didn't plan to do that one. Worthy is the Lamb. Yes. That was slain to receive power and riches. This is one of those doxologies. Worthy is the Lamb. Those slain received power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every other word you can come up with. And every creature which was within heaven and on the earth and under the earth and under the sea and all of them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto who? Yeah. Him. Yeah. That sits on the throne under the Lamb forever and ever and ever and ever. Not because we endured but we overcome but because He gave us a faith that endured. It's all unto Him. Never look at me, but always look to Him. And the four beasts said, Amen. (laughs) We agree. And the four and twenty elders fell down on their faces, and they worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. They They were singing and they were bowing. They were singing and they were bowing. They were singing and they were bowing. what worship there'll be in heaven. That's the heavenly perspective of what's going to happen. And it's not because we overcame, it's because He prevailed. I want you to know that as I close, I call you, everyone in here today, that because of what we see here, that every one of us need to endure to the end. I call you today to endurance, I call you today to continue. in a world full of sin and deception and opposition that you would keep your eyes on christ and don't waver to the right or to the left looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith looking unto him put the blinders on and don't look to the sin and don't look to the deception and don't pay attention to the persecution but when you live your life keep looking to Christ keep your eyes on Him keep your focus on Him love Him don't let your love grow cold because of the sin of the world keep your eyes on Christ church that's what I'm here to do a good preacher will tell you keep your eyes on Christ a good, preacher will say, a good church will say keep your eyes on Christ a good father will tell his family and his, his children as they get, they get pulled away, keep your eyes on Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. Don't, don't, don't go in any other direction. Don't, don't swerve that way or this way. Keep your eyes on Christ. I'm telling you today, Christians in the church, keep your eyes on Christ. That's how you'll endure. Amen. And for those in here who aren't saved, I'm telling you to look to Christ. We've looked and we keep looking. You that's never looked, with the eyes of faith, I pray that you'd look to him who was slain. Who went to a cross and died in our place. Who overcame death, hell, demonic forces, and your sin so that you could be saved. If you think the picture I just read to you in Revelation 9 is ugly and bad, and it is, it ain't nothing like hell. Hell will be exponentially worse than that. And Jesus gave you a way of escape. And that way of escape is by putting your faith in Him. It's the only way out. Jesus prevailed. Jesus has overcome. And I offer you today, sitting in in this room, I offer you today salvation. Open arms of Jesus. Mercy and grace and forgiveness. Ready to receive anyone and everyone who comes to Him by faith. He will turn away no one. And you won't have to worry a thing about this old sinful world because you'll have heaven to wait for. Yes, Put your faith in Christ today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals unto us your son. I said that just the other night as I was preaching. I'm so thankful for the church that is the house of God where we can come and we can open up the Bible which is the word of God. And as we open the Bible, we find the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the son of God. And I pray that this church would continue to be these things in the final days. And we may, we may become a mini church. We may have many that fall away. And I pray that we don't. God, I pray that the faith of the people in this church is real. Amen. I pray that they'll endure, give them enduring faith, continuing faith overcoming faith, abiding faith, all the way to the end, all the way to the last breath, whether it's with a knife to their throat or in a prison somewhere or just in a hospital bed as they take their last breath, that to their last breath they would have their faith and their eyes in Christ. I pray that, God, please. I pray that you wouldn't let anyone swerve, that you wouldn't let anybody get their eyes on sin or deception or or, uh, the persecution of the world would pull them away. But God, please, keep, keep, keep Keep our people, please. Please. And there are many here. I know it. I see it easily. I mean, it's just just so clear that many are pulled today. Please, God, keep them. Kids are being pulled. Teenagers are being pulled. Keep them, please. Don't let them fall away, please. And for those here today, God, that are lost, I pray that you'd save them. That today by the power of your spirit, through the preaching of your word, that you would change their heart. They'd put their faith in you for the very first time. And they would know what it is to have overcoming faith. Thank you for this time in your word. Even the hard stuff we need. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.